I'm Deidre. I'm Chelsea. And we're giving you a million murders. Hello, everybody. Hello, welcome. Yes, welcome back. We are back with another one. I always say that. I don't <laughs> even know what else to say. Okay, so I am back again with the shocking news stories of July. Mm. I wasn't going to do another one like this because I knew I was going to do the one episode that is coming up in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I thought. Oh, like maybe I'll just start that. But now I'm like, no, I want to do this because there is an update on one of my old cases that I've previously done on the podcast. So I had to, I had to do it. How many stories is this one? Um, I think you had three last time, didn't you? Yeah, I had three. This one's going to be five. Five. Yes. So four and then the update. Okay. So. First story is, California Governor Gavin Newsom last week pardoned Sarah Cruzan, a victim of teen sex trafficking who spent nearly two decades in prison after she killed her abuser and has has since become a national advocate for prison reform. Cruzan was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole in September 1995 for killing George Gilbert Howard as he attempted to sexually assault her. Howard sex trafficked her for years, starting when she was a teenager. Cruzan was tried as an adult at 16. So, like, this kind of stuff happens all the time. Oh, yeah. And people are on death row right now for killing their abusers. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, well, okay. So, anyway. Um, so, she was 16, and then she got sentenced to life without parole. In December 2010, then-Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger commuted Cruzan's sentence to 25 years to life, according to Newsom's pardon, which was issued Friday. By 2013, Cruzan was again resentenced to a total term of 19 years to life, and then-Governor Jerry Brown released her after she had served 18 years in prison. Newsom's pardon says Cruzan has transformed her life and dedicated herself to community service. She has provided evidence that she is living an upright life and has demonstrated her fitness for restoration of civic rights and responsibilities, the pardon says. Although she hasn't been behind bars for nearly a decade, Cruzan told the Los Angeles Times in May the conviction has continued to haunt her, creating difficulties applying for jobs or apartments. Although pardons don't erase criminal convictions from people's records, Newsom's office said in a release that they can remove counterproductive barriers to employment and public service. So I wanted to add, I wanted to put this one in there because I'm like, why was everyone just reducing her sentencing when they could have just let her out? out. Like how long is it going to take for us to realize that people who are in those types of situations need to get out and sometimes they have to do it. What they have to do. Yeah. So, you know, so that's good. So she's been pardoned. She served her sentence though. So now hopefully she'll be able to, you know, find better employment and things like that. Mm-hmm. Cause it is really hard after you are incarcerated to find, mm-hmm. you know, good paying jobs and safe homes and stuff. So hopefully Sarah will be able to, you know, 
do better because of this. So, yeah. yay. Okay. Now, the next one is about the Crescent Hotel. The Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, has experienced a lot of spooky history since being built in 1886. This resort town in the Ozarks drew visitors from all over due to the reputation of its springs, which were thought to have healing powers. I'm pretty sure this has been on Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventurers. I think they went to this place. So the Crescent was originally built as a luxury resort, catering to wealthy visitors who had come to take the waters, as well as enjoy the scenery and clean air of the Ozarks. By the 1920s, the resort had been converted to a conservatory for young women, and in the 1930s, it was the location of an infamous hospital run by a radio star and medical quack named Norman Baker. Baker's horrific, useless, and very expensive cancer treatment revitalized the town of Eureka Springs, whose healing waters had fallen out of favor during the Great Depression, during the Great Depression, but did little help to the people paying for the medicine. To be honest, I don't know if I'd have the wherewithal to stand there and watch the cabinet door open by itself for six whole minutes. Mm -mm. Other ghostly happenings at the hotel include a spirit of a young boy who bounces balls down the halls and an uptight female ghost who rattles her keys outside your door and folds your clothes if you aren't looking. So basically what happened was these people went in there and they were like, I guess they were paranormal investigators and they mm -hmm. set up a recording and it's showing this cabinet door opening by itself and it takes six minutes and then it is completely open. So over six minutes, it just slowly keeps creaking open and open, more open, mm -hmm. more open, and then it becomes wide open. So hopefully I can get that video uploaded to the Instagram page so you mm -hmm. all can see it because they speed it up and it just shows it oh, slowly yeah. coming open. Mm-hmm. So that was caught this month, or well, in July. Okay, story number three. A Nevada man has been arrested and charged with the decades-old murder of Ann Fom, the five-year-old elementary school student who was abducted on her way to her kindergarten class. Robert John Lanou, 70, a former Fort Ord soldier, was charged July 7th with one count of first-degree murder with special circumstance allegations that he killed Ann while committing kidnapping and a lewd act on a child under the age of 14. The guy's a complete monster, Seaside Police Chief Nicholas Borges tells people. He's every person's nightmare. The world is a safer place with this guy off the streets. Ann's gruesome 1982 slaying shocked California's Monterey County city of Seaside. The girl was abducted on her way to kindergarten class just before 11 a.m. on January 21st of that year. The, the youngest of 10 siblings, she had convinced her mother that she wanted to walk a few blocks to school alone. Normally, she walked to school with her mom, but on this particular day, it was raining, and she convinced her mom and older brother she wanted to walk to school by herself, Borges told people, and she never made it. Hmm. I know, it's horrible. Her body was found on the Fort Ord Army base by Army investigators two days later, about one mile away from her elementary school near a shooting range. She had been suffocated and, trigger warning, sexually assaulted, according to police. Borges says Lanou lived around the corner from Anne and her family. You could throw a rock from his house to hers. No problem, he says. 
he had to go and drop by her house every day when he left his home. Every single day in this man's life, he had to drop by her home. And there's no way you don't see 10 children about a property every day. He just saw prey when he drove by. Lanou, then 29, was never a suspect at the time, and Anne's case eventually grew cold. This guy was never on the radar, says Borges. Never. This guy was totally hidden in plain view, just right there. Uh -uh. I know. Lanou, who lives in Reno, eventually left the area and spent more than 20 years in prison for sexual assault offenses, according to Borges. He was in jail on a probation violation at the time of his arrest. So he was already arrested. He was already in jail for something else. And he just, he never got caught. And so he just kept doing it. In 2020, Monterey County District Attorney's Office called Case Task Force and the Seaside Police Department reopened Ann's case and submitted evidence for DNA testing. A new type of DNA testing not previously available to early investigators identified Lanou as the suspect in Fom's murder, the District Attorney's Office said in a press release. The DNA process, it is a newer technology, but it hasn't been used in a criminal conviction previously. Monterey County District Attorney Janine Passioni says, or Pacioni, uh, this involves DNA which doesn't come from the root of a hair. I wish that he would have, I wish that he would have been caught earlier because this guy went on with his life to just create havoc and horror wherever he went, says Borges. She was a five-year-old little girl in this country to start her life, to make her family proud and to just live the American dream. And that in of itself is just heartbreaking. The family fled from Vietnam. They fled from war. The United States of America was paradise for the family. So never in their wildest dreams did they think coming here and being in this cute little town, even though it was rough back then, would result in losing their little angel. Mm. I know. Oh, it's so sad. I know. Like, back then it was just, Vietnam was a really hard place to live, and so they thought that they were getting away from all the bad things, and then they get here and this happens. So, Lanou is currently being held in custody in the state of Nevada and is awaiting extradition back to California. He has yet to enter a plea. Anyone who has information about Fom's case is encouraged to contact DA investigator Justin Bell at 831-755-5070. So, if anyone out there knows anything else, just call that number so that, you know, we can get this guy even more than we have him he should be yeah. convicted and you know sentenced oh, yeah. with what they have because they have dna evidence but just in case so okay story number four a coffee cup discarded at philadelphia international airport earlier this year has led to a decades-long murder case apparently being almost solved david sinapoli 68 was taken into custody on Sunday morning and is currently being held without bail in connect bail bail in connection with the death of Lindy Sue Beechler, 19, according to Pennsylvania authorities. She was found fatally stabbed in her apartment in Lancaster County in December 1975, and the decades-long search for the suspect has stumped investigators. It was not until researchers from a Virginia-based DNA analysis firm used a technique to pinpoint Mr. Sinopoli's, uh, oh, Mr. Sinopoli as a suspect in what the Washington Post reported was one of the United States' longest unsolved cold cases. Mr. Sinopoli was traced to 
Philadelphia International Airport's Terminal A, which I've been to that airport. Philly's airport is big. Is it? Mm-hmm. They've got like a really pretty mural kind of on the wall, mm-hmm. but it's like LED, so it like changes colors and everything. Mr. Sinopoli was traced to Philadelphia International Airport's Terminal A in February when detectives waited for him to discard a coffee cup into a bin, the Lancaster County District Attorney told reporters on Monday. The cup was retrieved by detectives and DNA analysis found a match between Mr. Sinopoli's fingerprints and DNA found on Bichler's underwear. He was then arrested on Sunday. Speaking the day after his arrest, Lancaster County District Attorney Heather Adams said Parabon Nano Labs determined through DNA evidence that Bichler's killer probably had ancestors from the Italian town of Gasparina in the southern Calabria region. Now, this Parabon Nano Labs has been solving cases left and right. I'm pretty sure that they were part of the one that we did, um, that I think I did on the shocking news stories of June. Mm. And, quick fact, they are wanting to get the DNA for uh, John Benet Ramsey because they think that they'll be able to solve it as well mm-hmm. because they have a couple, they have the DNA from her underwear and then DNA on something else. Um, and so they said if they would just turn that, you know, DNA over that they would try to solve the case. Mm -hmm. And apparently her dad has been petitioning to get the DNA and they won't give it to him. So I don't know if they think he did it. And so they're like, we don't want him to have it and him discard it and ruin it. But I don't know. But I feel, you know, that's a whole other thing. So anyway, this Parabon Labs is really trying to, you know solve a lot of cold cases and we should just let them yeah let's just let them have it so anyway okay so a, re- a researcher cc moore flagged mr Sinopoli as a person of interest after looking through newspaper archives and historical records miss adams said he had lived in the same apartment block as Bichler. Bichler, i guess i'm saying that right <laughs> this cold this case was solved with the use of dna and specifically dna genealogy mrs adams said And quite honestly, without that, I don't know that we would have ever solved it. In the time between Bichler's murder and Mr. Sinopoli's arrest, the Lancaster County District Attorney said as many as 300 people had been interviewed about her killing. A special FBI force set up in 2000 also failed to identify a potential suspect in the case, Ms. Adams said. DNA evidence was stored in a national database awaiting any future leads or breakthroughs in the case. Genetic genealogy, the technique used to identify Mr. Sinopoli, became a main, mainstream tool for law enforcement investigators following the arrest of a man known as the Golden State Killer in 2018. The technique combines DNA testing with genealogical and historical records to establish any connections between individuals. There were very few people living in Lancaster that were the right age, gender, and had the right family tree, Miss Adams said of the investigation. Adding, the arrest of David Sinopoli marks the beginning of the court process, and we hope that it brings some sense of relief to the victim's loved ones and to the community, who for the past 46 years have had no answers. Mr. Sinopoli is now expected to go on trial. It was unclear if a lawyer or if he had a lawyer or if he had entered any plea. Mm. Yeah, so I may be able to keep you all updated on that. Like I said, I'm really bad about 
Um, you know, I may have more. to just make it a thing. <laughs> okay. So my last one, we're at like 17 minutes. So my last one is an update, like I said, on a case that I've previously covered. And that case is the Summerton Man. Summerton Man. The Summerton Man case has pretty much seemingly been solved. Yeah. Which is a big deal because it is literally over 70 years old. It's a long time. Yes. Finally. Finally. I was telling me and Sarah... Sarah, who has her own podcast as well, Relatively Dark, with her sister, Casey. Um, we were talking, and she was like, did you see that? I was like, yes. I'm like, now if we can just figure out where Jimmy Hoff is buried, and if we can figure out what the Zodiac Killer is, and, you know, a couple of other, and John Bonet's Killer, I'll, I can rest easy. Like, come on. We need to get this going. <clears throat> come through. Come through. Okay. <clears throat> so, South Australian academics claim to have identified Summerton Man as a 43-year-old electrical engineer from Melbourne, could finally provide answers in one of Australia's most infamous cold cases. For 73 years, the identity of a well-dressed man found slumped by a seawall of Summerton Beach, south of Adelaide, in 1948 has been a mystery, leaving room for theories featuring jilted lovers and Cold War spies. When no one came forward to identify Summerton Man, authorities were left only with cryptic clues to guide them, a jacket and a tie, with their tags cut off, unused train and bus tickets, and a scrap of paper with the words printed Taman Shud, meaning finished, in Persian. The doctor who carried out the autopsy at the time of the discovery believed the man had died from heart failure due to poisoning, and the coroner didn't rule out murder. Which, some of this we're already going to know, because mm-hmm. it's just kind of, but I'm recapping yeah. for us, and that's what the article did. So Professor Derek Abbott from the University of Adelaide said on Monday he believes the man found on December 1st, 1948 was Carl Charles Webb, a 43-year-old electrical engineer from Melbourne. South Australian police have not released a statement on the identity of the man or provided an update on their own investigation following the exhumation of the man's body last year. So that was kind of where we left off. Mm -hmm. It was like, they're exhuming the body, maybe we'll find out something. So that's where they were at, and the coroner will be asked to confirm the identification. Abbott's research was undertaken with American genealogist Colleen Fitzpatrick. The pair analyzed DNA evidence from hairs caught in the plaster cast made of the man's face more than half a century ago by investigators. Fitzpatrick told The Guardian she and Abbott started with a match in a DNA database, a so-called DNA cousin to Summerton Man, and then built out his family tree until they found someone who fit the description of who they were looking for. The tree included about 4,000 people when that happened. Webb was born in 1905, but was later identified as a person with no death record, Abbott said. As to why the Melbourne man was in Adelaide, Abbott said, we have evidence that he had separated from his wife and that she had moved to South Australia, so possibly he had come to track her down. Fitzpatrick said, this is an amazing mystery to solve. It has been one of the most interesting cases in Australia's history. It is much more than identifying the Summerton man as Carl Webb. It's also solving the mystery of how and why he died. That may take years. Carolyn Billsborough, a filmmaker and director 
of the documentary Missing Pieces about Summerton Man, said the news was incredibly exciting. We knew this day was going to come at some point, she said. We had all the grandiose ideas about him being Russian, American, and European. I was convinced that he was from Europe, maybe a displaced person from the Second World War, and he was here alone. Mm -hmm. But to find out that he's Australian from Victoria and that he died and no one obviously noticed he was missing or no one followed up with the police that he was missing, I find that particularly kind of tragic. She said the news also turns on its head the theory in her documentary that Australian ballet dancer Robin Thompson was the son of the Summerton man. Because hmm. remember, that's the guy who had the same thing with the ears uh-huh. and um, the, teeth, the teeth, you know. So the links to Thompson go back to the scrap of paper with Persian words for finished found in the man's fob pocket and his trousers. The phrase was identified as coming from the classic book of Persian poetry, Rubiat of Omar Kiam. The police had asked the public if anyone had a copy of the book with the last page missing, and a man came forward with the last page torn out. He said it had been thrown in the back of his car around the time of the incident. Mm -hmm. The copy not only had its last page torn out, but also incoherent writing believed to be a code on its back cover. Billsborough says the theory that the Summerton man was a Russian spy emerged in the 1970s at the time of the Cold War particularly fueled by the writing in the copy of the Rubiat they interpreted as code. Also written on the back cover was the phone number of a young nurse later identified by Abbott as Joe Thompson, who lived in a five who lived a five minute walk away from where the man was found dead. When Thompson was taken by authorities to visit a death mask of Summerton Man's face, the taxidermist present Oh, the taxidermist present, Paul Lawson, told ABC's Australian Story last year it was obvious she knew the man. Abbott had attempted to contact the Thompson family, but upon finding both Joe Thompson and her son Robin Thompson dead, sought expert opinion which showed biological links between Robin and the Summerton man, likely due to sharing the same rare dental and ear conditions. On top of muscular calves, which helped Thompson become a professional dancer. Fitzpatrick said the DNA evidence disproves any genetic relationship with Robin Thompson, and therefore Abbott's own wife, Robin Thompson's daughter, Rachel Egan, whom Abbott met during investigations. So, you know, that was a big thing. Mm -hmm. Like, we really thought that that was going to turn out that they were related, because, I mean, how rare, like, how coincidental for him to have the same ear condition and dental condition and for his mom to have lived five minutes away from where he died and the whole thing with the book, you know, Mm -hmm. but it shows that they're not related. It's crazy at all. Yeah. So that was a big factor. That was a big thing that we thought was true and it's not. So Billsboro said, now that we have his name, there's still many questions. In fact, there's probably more questions than there were yesterday when we didn't have his name. We still don't know who he is or what he was doing. Was there a connection with Joe the nurse? Was it suicide? My feeling has always been that it's been suicide, that Rubiot was known as a kind of suicide handbook, Billsboro said, which I didn't know that until now. Like, I had no clue. She said, although it looked as if there was nobody alive now that would remember him, she hoped to turn to the archives to answer new questions the findings opened up. 
I've already been on Trove to see if there's any presence of Charles Webb coming up in the old newspapers, just trying to put together a paper trail of who he was or might have been. There's almost a sequel film here, not of who is Summerton Man, but now it's the mysterious case of Charles Webb. And that is my Summerton Man update and the end of my shocking news stories of July. July. Yes, so we've got... Thank you. You're welcome. We've got a lady who's been pardoned. We've got two cold cases that have been solved by DNA. Woo woo. We've got the Summerton Man update and, you know, and then a little haunting. Got a little bit of everything there. So I know I couldn't remember. I was like, that's four. What's the fifth one? So yeah, so that is it for me. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to send some listener stories in, we're really pushing that because if we get enough, we can split it and, you know, cover those in an episode for you all. Um, send us an email at ameliamurders at gmail.com. And you can go to our Instagram and check out the photos of the cases that we cover. Some will have photos with it being like um, a Reddit or like a little ghost story or something. Mm-hmm. And you can check out our Facebook, start conversations, have you, whatever you want to do. All right. So thank you for tuning in. And we hope you come back for a million more. Bye. Goodbye.